This is Closer to Home, Maine's real estate radio with your host and real estate expert, Jeff Matea of the Matea Group at Keller Williams Realty. Whether buying your first home, your next home, or upgrading your present home, everything you need to know is right here. Now on News Radio 98.5 FM and AM 560 WGAN. Sell your home the easy way. Just remember Jeff M-A-T E-J-A. That's the Matea Group. And call them today. I see you singing the uh, jingle already. Sing I, along. I love it. What a great way to get the day started. Exactly. Yeah, I've got that uh, as a ringtone too, right? Absolutely. Got to hear it. Got to hear it as many times as I can. So when the folks text you at 3 a.m., do they, that comes on? Or is Absol- that absolutely. just when they call? The that's, wife calls or, or when I call? When everybody calls. It's, okay. how, it's also how I wake up in the morning. <laughs> Welcome to Closer to Home. Thank you for listening. It's Jeff Matea here from Keller Williams Realty, the Matea Group with Harrison Smith, my co-host. We've got an excellent guest in studio as well. And uh, yeah, we just wanted to uh, thank all of our listeners for listening. What do we got uh, happening this week? Yeah. So or what happened this week? Honestly, just getting outside and enjoying this weather. I, I've, I've been on the golf course. I've driven down by, along the beach to check out the scene. It's it's been nice to get out and and feel like you know I, I can do something other than sit around the house in the cold. Uh, playing hooky again, going golfing, huh? Never, never. It's always with clients. Yeah, where did you uh, where did you golf Wednesday down in New Hampshire? Yeah, no, actually, yeah, so yeah down at the Links at Outlook in in Berwick, which was oh, oh, beautiful, okay. still and in Maine. Maine. Okay. Yeah, and, not, and, not cheating on us. No, no, I'm staying. I'm staying in Maine. We've got too many good golf courses in Maine to have to drive anywhere. Oh, exactly. But the Links was in great condition. Really great day. So, um, yeah, I've I've been to Dunegrass so far this year. I'm going to get up to Dutch Elm a little bit later next week and just trying to make my way around the circuit. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we mentioned you getting texts at 3 a.m. If you have, if our listeners have a question that they want us to answer on air, you can give us a call or text 207-331-5516 or email us at closer to home at portlandradiogroup.com. Yeah. So, so this time of year, what are, uh, what are you guys out doing right now? Oh, this was all the prep for the Airbnbs. I think I, oh, yeah. I talked about that last week, or we had a good Airbnb show. Yep. And uh, so we have our first guest coming before Memorial Day, although that you know that kind of starts off the summer. I have two uh, guests, well, two different Airbnbs with guests. One has six and the other has two or three, and others are looking to see it before they stay. So just prepping all those finishing touches, decorating, just making sure the grass is cut. It just shows really well because it's all about that first impression when you arrive getting that five-star review so people come back and uh, the more five-star reviews I can gather, the price may go up a little bit. So, yeah. uh, you know, got to look out for the bottom line too. Well, and it's hard to believe Memorial Day is coming up and we're kind of getting into that unofficial start of the summer and, you know, the travelers are coming, vacationers are coming. Are you seeing people largely from New England coming in? They come from all over the place? Uh, coming for all, from all over the place, however, a lot from New England. Even someone from uh, Ontario, Canada oh, is nice. uh, checking in with us soon. Uh, so I'm meeting them. Uh, we've actually got... Uh, some hockey folks, so some uh, you awesome. know, avid hockey fans, avid, uh, you know, a coach connected with me to see if some players may able to, may be able to stay at our Airbnb. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so that should be interesting. And uh, yeah, just overall, like a, a good cross-section of America and Canada uh, to have, you know, families, um, probably like, I would imagine like getaway, like birthday parties, mm. bachelorette, bachelorette, you know, who knows what they're doing as long as they... Pay the bills, don't destroy the place. Yeah. So are you, are you doing weekly rentals? Are they allowed to book just for a few nights? How do you do it? Uh, yep. So a lot of uh, weekly rentals. However, there's a few that I do like a three to four minimum minimum night stay. And uh, most people take you up on four to six or seven, mm. uh, depending on the arrival. So it's, I think it's really like looking at the calendar, where when can they arrive, and then planning their vacation around that. So it, it booked up 
you know, two or three months ago, I was, I was fully booked for July, August, part of June, some of September. Yeah. We're hearing something similar from, from Tim Mitchell with, uh, with Guardian Properties. A yep. lot of the short-term rentals have been booked for months. The summer's full. People are going to be here in full force on vacation, and it's going to feel like a regular summer for the first time really in a couple of years. That's right. And, and you know, if someone had can- a cancellation, which Airbnb allows that, and our mm-hmm. policy is to let that even up to 24 hours before, I see someone instantly book it later that night. And oftentimes, even if I can just move the, the rent up a little bit, it's come in handy. It's just, I think the difficulty is finding folks that can clean you're listening to Closer to Home Maine's Real Estate Radio on News Radio 98.5 FM and AM 560 WGN. So as I was saying, the the cleaning service, mm-hmm. just finding folks that can clean timely, uh, take good care of the property so that it can be back and ready to go for the next guest is just tough to come by. And, you know, I'm sure it's the same all the way around. Hotels probably have the same. Yeah, it, it is. And, and, you know, we, we're constantly talking to clients about the various vendors they need. You know, whether it's cleaners, whether it's just even just handyman services, I mean, just trying to find somebody who will come take down little punch list items, it just continually gets a little harder to find those people because there's just so much demand and not enough of them to go around. Yeah, it makes sense. You, you know, if, if you're going to get into the Airbnb business like mm-hmm. I have and, and our, our clients have, is to make sure that you do have that team, some folks that you can rely on and have some backups just in case. I mean, we've got to let these people go on vacation too and, yeah. you know, get away and, and enjoy themselves. So. You know, from time to time, we are kind of going to our second, third choice or doing it ourselves, uh, you know, at the last minute just to make sure that it's ready to go. Yeah. And we, we've harped on past shows, you know, how important it is to have that network of people, the people that you, you know, that you need to surround yourself with. And, you know, in this space event, incredibly important to have not one, you know, maybe not even two, maybe three or four people that you can call to in a, in a pinch because, you know, with Airbnb or even around your own house, there are certain times where like when you need something done, you've really got to get it done. And having a list of people you can work through is key. Having those vendors is important. And I've had a few saves, as you know, from uh, YouTube. So you might have to YouTube every now and again a, a video on how to fix such and such. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not proud to admit it, but I've watched YouTube many times to try to put right. something together. But full disclosure, uh, when it's a licensed activity, I hire a licensed that is, that uh, is individuals. 100% Just, uh, correct. Full disclaimer for the radio there. Uh, but getting to today's show overview... We have a market update. We have an awesome guest, uh, Carrie Kimball from Two Light Settlement Services in Portland. We'll take listeners' questions. I know we've got a, a number of questions, and Carrie's got some amazing stories being in the business for, for many years here in Portland. A tip of the week, and as always, Harrison's around town local events. So let's dive right in. Yeah. So before we dive into this week, I just want to remind people we had a really great show last week with Donna Galuzzo talking about new construction. If you missed it, please make sure to go back and listen to it. You can always find our shows after they air. Um, on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or really anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, you can find all of our past episodes. That was a great one if anybody's ever thought about building a home. Absolutely. It was great. And jeffsellsmain.com slash closer to home for all past episodes as well if, if uh, you know you missed one. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for mentioning that. So uh, next we were just saying that uh, homes are selling faster than the national average. Uh, we saw that in the BDN article. Yeah, up almost 30 days faster than the national average. So Unreal. we're hearing, you know, we're starting to hear from other agents in other parts of the country that maybe things are slowing down a little bit wherever they might be. There's not been a slowdown here. We're still supply constrained. We're still active and busy here. Yeah, I mean, I had the personal experience that, uh, you know, we put in offers on a few homes, uh, not me personally, but for clients, and there weren't as many offers I'm hearing from the listing yep. agent. And some of our listings didn't have as many offers, but they got offers. And they were acceptable offers, often over asking. We continue to see that. And then these lenders, you know, appraisers aren't as busy with lack of refinances or, you know, less less Mm -hmm. refinances with the rates going up, that their turnaround time is is much better. 
Yep. Uh, so we're seeing closings, like Corey had mentioned, from Andy Mac, 21 days. Yeah. 30 days. Which we hadn't seen in two years. I mean, so, the, yeah. you were lucky to do something in six weeks. Now we're seeing it in three. So we spent a lot of time waiting, you know, mm-hmm. several months ago. 45 days was the norm. And so a lot of folks are getting that, you know, 30 day or less. Uh, pretty wild. Yeah, exactly. And and thankfully, you know, the timing of that is good because we are going into what really is considered the peak market in Maine. You know, we're now about 30 days away from school ending in most communities. So people are now beginning to think about if I'm going to make a move, I've got to get ready to do it now so I can be in the new home prior to next school year starting. Sure. And if you're a potential buyer or seller listening in now and saying 21 days, I mean, that's that's too quick. Mm. Understand that you're still you're in the driver's seat to negotiate. That's just right. We have vendors that can make that happen as quickly as you need to. And you don't have to drag this out if you need to close quickly to get into you know, a home to, to settle in for school, settle in for work, et cetera, it can happen. Yeah, absolutely. The buyers and sellers ultimately have to agree on when that closing time frame is. We are seeing, we are seeing sellers ask in some cases for 60 days, 75 days to close because they want more time to, to move because none of us necessarily want to try to move in three weeks. You know, maybe the house is already vacant because you've already left and you can do that. But, you know, certainly that timeline is, can be agreed upon and can be set at whatever length the parties need. Now, you dug up an article in the Bangor Daily News about tiny homes uh, expanding, and they've got a wait list, and it seems like that's all the rage and really popular if, if a town and municipality right. allows it. Can you dig into that? Yeah, so tiny homes a few years ago, were, we, we thought were going to become a, a pretty big component of the housing market uh, because they offered a, an affordable, flexible op, uh, option to people. And what we're seeing is uh, we're seeing demand for these, certainly, certainly high demand for these, not necessarily quite at the level I think we expected, but strong demand still the same. So we've got there's a company, Tiny Homes of Maine, who's building these up in Holton, um, and they've got uh, they've got an order book of 70 dwellings, and they're actually building a wait list for 2024. So people wow. buying tiny homes, you're a good couple of years out before you're going to get delivery of it. Uh, and what's impressive is the fact that these things are you know anywhere from three to four hundred square feet, super efficient. Um, you know, really can be placed just about anywhere. Uh, but as you alluded to, there are some communities that haven't yet adopted these. Um, and are not necessarily as friendly to them as possible. But I do think over time we're going to see that shift as these become really probably the next wave of affordable housing. Yeah, and uh, interesting tie. Uh, Corinne worked at IDEX and uh, was a client yep. of mine. And uh, I know that she was working to get legislation passed, which finally has happened recently. And you know, still municipalities are hesitant at times. Um, but it, you know, further north, I know that it, it really took off. Uh, it may not have gotten off to a great start in the local greater Portland area. Um, but people have embraced it. They moved their uh, operations to Holton in 2018, and then it took off. But, uh, you know, operations, I think they have 70 on the wait list, or yeah. that's about how many they can produce in a given amount of time per the article. It, again, it's just the demands and shipping them. There's a lot of logistics, and I'm sure some of the constraints related to COVID, the pandemic, uh, kind of halted things, as well as some of the municipalities saying, uh, we need to learn more about this before we'll embrace everything fully. Yeah, and I think of these similar to how I used to think of modular homes. You know, modular homes were a big thing in there for a little while. They they basically came in partially assembled, and then they would get final assembly and, and installation in place. And COVID really kind of threw a wrench in that because you had a lot of shutdowns of plants, you had material issues, so modulars became harder to get, tiny homes in the same boat. Um, but I do view those as potential affordable housing solutions because they are efficient, they are flexible, and can be staged. Awesome. Well, we're going to head to break. You're listening to Closer to Home on News Radio WGN. When we come back, we'll have Carrie Kimball from Two Light Settlement Services.
Have a question about real estate or home improvement? Call the 24-hour Closer to Home helpline at 207-331-5516. Now back to Closer to Home, Maine's Real Estate Radio, with your host and real estate expert, Jeff Matea of the Matea Group at Keller Williams Realty on News Radio 98.5 FM and AM 560, WGAN. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Closer to Home, Maine's Real Estate Radio. Jeff Matea here with Harrison Smith. We have a fantastic guest, Carrie Kimball, in studio from Two Light Settlement Services. And I, and I promise everybody, Carrie is not your typical title attorney, so that's that's why we enjoy having him around. <laughs> I, I appreciate that sentiment, Harrison. I really do. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely have some laughs here. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, welcome, Carrie. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is Carrie Kimball. I am a title attorney, real estate attorney. I've been practicing now 24 years in the great state of Maine. Uh, I'm a local. I lived a bunch of different places. I've lived in Cape Elizabeth, Scarborough, Buxton, Old Town, Westbrook, and the city of Portland currently. Um, scholastically, I went to Bonnie Eagle High School. And then afterwards, I, uh, I took out, I took off and went up to Colgate University. There's a couple of us here locally. I won't mention my competitor who's also a Colgate uh, alum, but <laughs> he knows who he is. And, uh, and then I went out west. I went there for law school, went to the University of Colorado at Boulder, go Buffs. And when I returned, I had the struggle that uh, a lot of us do when we come back to our home state of Maine to find a job, at least back in the 90s I did. Um, and it took about a year. And in that time frame, I talked to a lot of different lawyers doing a lot of different stuff. Uh, and in the end, just to further date myself, I answered an ad in the newspaper. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. What's that? Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> and in that newspaper ad, I went in, I had an interview with my old boss, Bill Denley, and, uh, and uh, Sue Nedler was my, uh, his paralegal at the time. And uh, I, I went in and I actually knew exactly what they did there. And they were quite shocked. And the reason was that my aunt and uncle owned a large real estate firm at the time. I knew nothing about nepotism. I had no idea that <laughs> that would be in play in any way or shape or form. Um, but I went in and I said, this is what you guys do here. And I explained, showed, I had a packet of closing pack. And I'm like, you explain this stuff to people and I can do that. And as soon as I, they were not, you know, nonplussed, and I'm like, well, how, how do you? And I explained who my aunt and uncle were. Um, and that's how I fell into it back in 1997. Uh, to give you some idea of how that was then, title orders and communications came by fax. Wow. Wow. And uh, computer screens were not color. They were green and white text. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that just get, we'll just lay that out right there, that that's how, uh, that's how things worked back in the good old 90s. So were the deeds on stone tablets? or were there They paper? were not. They were not. I will say I one time went into the basement of my first office and found Sheets that were Mimeo sheets. Oh yeah. Wow. Okay, okay. So we know what those yes. are. Right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. And and they were pre-printed deeds and mortgages for when things went down the computers <laughs> and you had to still do closings and write them and, and hand oh, wow. and yeah and handwrite stuff. <laughs> totally. So, so had you always intended to go into title or was it just kind of law and you were looking to see where no, an open door was? I mean, honest to God, it was I, I, I literally fell into it in a sense. When I was in Boulder and going to law school, I kind of thought I was going to do more courtroom oriented stuff. And I took some corporate and transactional law stuff while I was there. And I really enjoyed it. And I was kind of surprised because it wasn't where I thought I was going to go. Um, and, and then uh, again, when I came home, um, I had to come home. There were some health things. Everything worked out. But 
I probably would have ended up in Denver in a whole other life, but I had to come home. And uh, once I got here, it was a real struggle finding work. I mean, there's a maybe you haven't noticed. There's a couple lawyers in Portland, and there always <laughs> has been. <laughs> well, and I was coming from away, right? So no one knew who I was. Um, and when I fell into it, if, you know, first couple years, I really kind of was like, I can do that. Da, da, da. And then it wasn't until later, like five, six years into it, where I ran an office for a satellite, and I had to get my own business and meet people like the Matea Group to like show them that I, that that my services were valuable and it sort of changed the job for me it made it more i was a sales job kind of as well as advising people and i it found that i had a real knack for it and i've stuck with it ever since you're listening to closer to home means real estate radio on news radio 98.5 fm am 560 wgan very very interesting stuff carrie kind of yeah. how you ended up in this space but can you tell us a little bit about kind of two lights, but also what a title company does. We get a lot of sure. questions, especially from people that are away, yeah, yeah. as to what, what is this title thing? Well, the reason why you get a lot of questions is because things are done differently in different jurisdictions. All kinds of different parts of the country handle stuff differently. And they all everybody always thinks it's the same from where they're from, right? Mm -hmm. So here in Maine, we have title companies primarily for residential real estate. Attorneys get involved at some points. I'm an attorney, but generally the contracts and the due diligence and all that aspect of it are handled by the realtors, by you guys. And we come in at the end as a title company to handle three pieces. We act as the closing agent, we act as the escrow agent, and we act as the title insurer, all right? What are those things? Closing agent, we prepare a bunch of documents that are governed by Fed reg and uh, state regs, as well as uh, handle how the money all gets carved up, right? And we make sure all those things are compliant. Escrow agent, we handle the cash. All the money comes into us and then we, and then we distribute it per the terms of the deal, mm -hmm. basically. Title agent, we are giving tight, offering title insurance to a party that we do a title examination and then we issue you a title insurance policy that ensures your interest in the property. And we do it a lot of times in conjunction with banks or mortgage lenders or mortgage brokers, um, wherein we handle the stuff on the behalf of the lender and we offer title insurance to the owner and we give title insurance to the lender too. So how does a title company get selected or chosen? Who, who well, does that? There's a couple ways. If, if the transaction is a cash transaction, right, the buyer runs it. The buyer decides who they want to do the title search and who they want to handle the closing and do everything. Um, on, the, on the loan side, if the, the, the lender will select their closing agent. Now, there's a little wrinkle there. There's a state law in Maine that says you have the ability to choose who you want to have the title. Now, that can get a little wrinkly and such because all the different lenders have lists of the people that they allow to do their closings. So as a general rule, lenders govern direct the business as well as buyers and as well as brokers too. So you need to be on someone's list, or yeah. that lender's list. Yeah, and yeah. Two Lights, um, you asked about Two Lights. Yeah. Two Lights is the company. I'm one of the owners. My uh, my law partner, Carly Joyce, AKA the bedrock of the institution. <laughs> right. Uh, um, she started it many years back. Uh, it had an earlier name, Elite Title Services, but she switched over for, you know, marketing and branding to Two Lights. Sure. And that's where we got our logo okay. with the, um, with, with the uh, lighthouse, et cetera. Uh, and she built quite an engine. That's how I would describe it. I would and agree. I joined up like three years ago and yeah. we've been doing great guns these last few years. Let me tell you. Yeah. So how did, what brought you to Two Lights? How'd you end up there? Carly and I have been friends a long, long time. She actually came to talk to me a long time ago when she was in school 
I was down back then on Moulton Street looking out over DeMillo's, and I had a more diverse practice then. I did a lot of hard money lending, like representing lenders in a more formal way, and uh, as well as banks and some other tra- all kinds of transactional stuff. But so, then my, my, where I was trained was in a large-scale title company, and that's mm-hmm. where um, I, when Carly asked me to join back up, I definitely jumped in with both feet. Now, are there other services that Two Lights provides to clients? Um, you know, we tend to steer away from that in terms of like basic LLC, things of that nature. We have all kinds of people we can refer people refer to. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. but we do do deeds and simple financing documents for people. Um, power of attorney. Yeah, to get a and power, yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, if it's super broad for like a general for somebody, sometimes I'll refer them out to an attorney because there might be estate planning aspects too. So. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, other questions that we have for Carrie related to yeah, so, two lights? So title insurance real quick. You know, yep. So you mentioned it kind of secures your interest in the property. Can you yep. elaborate on exactly what title insurance is? Sure. There's two types. There's owner's title insurance and lender's title insurance. And suffice it to say that all lenders are going to want lender's title insurance. Sure. Why? Because if the lender has to take the property back and sell it at auction, they want to know there's no title problems and they want an insurance policy that's going to cover them. So there, that's always issue. Owners is the thing that ensures that you own it um, lot, as far as loss or damages are concerned um, from the date you buy it all the way back to the land grant from the king, basic, basically. It's a weird kind of insurance. Awesome. I love it. We're going to dive right into the, more questions for Carrie. Uh, when we come back, you're listening to Closer at Home on News Radio WGAN. Welcome back to Closer to Home, Maine's Real Estate Radio, with your host and real estate expert, Jeff Matea, on News Radio 985 FM and AM 560 WGAN. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Closer to Home, Maine's Real Estate Radio. Back for segment three. If you have a question related to real estate, one for Carrie, well, that we can answer here live on the show, call us at 207-331-5516. Or you can text that or, or email us at closer to home at portlandradiogroup.com. I'm thrilled for this segment because I want to hear all these interesting stories of the experiences that we've had. Carrie could probably talk for hours. Yeah, there are so many amazing stories that happen in the real <laughs> estate space. Carrie's a great storyteller. That's why do, we're excited to have him here. I do my best. <laughs> So let's, let's dive right into this first one. You started at the break. You were yep. talking a little bit of owner's title. One of our first questions is, uh, Amanda from Kenny Bunk yep. asks, when I bought my house, I was offered an owner's title policy. Is that different? What is that? I mean, you want to purchase owner's title insurance. Without it, all you have for recourse on the money that you spent, if anything ever arose as to the ownership of your property, is to sue the seller and hope to heck that the money that you gave them is still there and, and that you win. With, with title insurance that issue isn't there anymore. You file a claim like any other kind of insurance. I was saying earlier, it's title insurance is odd insurance. It insures you from the date you own retrospectively, backwards. You only pay for it once. And so anything within the chain, if say that, you know, great-grandfather's will was never probated on that property you bought in Hiram, right? You're insured and you can say, hey, make these people go away. The, the, comp- the, t- the insurance company will hire an attorney to defend you in court 
and they will, if, if whatever the resolution is, pay out the money to make the claim go away and or sometimes quiet title, that's a f- fancy legal term, to make it yours, basically. So basically, they resolve the dispute, make it go away, making it thus quiet, Correct. And therefore allowing you to move on. Correct. Correct. Yeah, one and, of those that you you wish you had it. Yeah. You need it when you, yeah, when, when you need it. Exactly. I Oftentimes, when I describe it to people, I'm like, it's the thing that you hope that you're never going to have to use. But instantly, when you do need it, if you don't, if you don't have it, you're going to pay somebody three or four hundred dollars an hour, and you don't have any verification that you're going to. I mean, that you're necessarily going to win. And then, if you don't win, then you're out that money too. It's it's good money spent for peace of mind. Yeah, and apologies to our friend Jeff Lee from Farmers Insurance. But insurance is that game we know we're <laughs> yeah, going to yeah, lose yeah. <laughs> until we have to have it. And yeah, then, yeah. And then it makes all it all makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we've got a, a loaded question, or there'll be loaded answers to this yeah, one. Yeah. Damien from Freeport, what sorts of things can cause issues with title? I mean, huh. A, it ensures that the search that was done was done appropriately and correctly and that you're covered. B, it, the weird th- it ensures lots of things that you can't necessarily find in a title search, like fraud, like, uh, like wills that were never probated, like all kinds of odd things like that. For instance, story time. Love for it. instance, right now we've been dealing with something. We it hasn't risen to the level of a claim on the title insurance yet, but there's a lot of things swirling wherein a, a seller potentially, allegedly, um, uh, fraudulently signed um, uh, probate documents, and none of this has been verified. None of this can be, you know, ascertained per se. But if it does come out that that in any way did happen then you would be insured. That's the exact kind of thing that it would cover that nobody could ever tell. How would you know the documents filed in a court were not, they're filed. I mean, the clerk took them. So it's things like that that cover you. Okay. So the, the documents are signed, they're recorded, all looks good, and then you find out behind the scenes there actually really is a problem with yeah. them. And now it's, oh no, what do I do? Yeah. Or or somebody in a in, you know at some point argues that something that was executed over the, right? Well, yeah, yeah. That wasn't that wasn't the case. That wasn't done the way it was supposed to be done. Yeah. So when you guys are actually conducting that title search and mm. going back, mm. you know, to to see what's in the history, what are the sort of, of problems you come across that cause issues right right even before the insurance comes into play, but but actually can delay a transaction? Or- so I'm doing I'm dealing with one right now. Okay. So layperson, right? If you're guardian of somebody, right? So you and then you sign a contract and you assume that everything's. Um, copacetic that you have the power to do it because you have a court document, yada, yada, yada. No. Guardianships appoint you over power over the person's body. A conservatorship is what gives you power over a person's things, hmm. their bank accounts, their real estate, their know. property, all right? Hmm. And, and if you sell property, even if you are conservator, there's a statute that says you have to have a court order from the court too to sell it if it's the party's pro- primary residence. So you might think... And everybody involved might think that everything's flowing copacetic, but then when it comes across my desk, I'm the one who goes, "Hey, you got to take these other steps to make it, to make it legal, to make it so that you have the power to do power to do what you're doing to sell this property to the potential buyer." Yeah, one of the things we come across a lot is like uh, mortgages that weren't discharged properly oh. or liens that weren't discharged properly. How do you guys handle those situations? So that's a really good point. So back in the early years, the the green screen years of my career. <laughs> I mean, uh, part of what I did was chase those things down, try and figure out where we could get a release, et cetera, et cetera. For many, many years, my, my, my compatriots and I, we had a name of a, a gentleman at TD 
slash people slash the you know uh, sunset the bank that was been has been in Maine many 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 years <laughs> yeah. and yeah. this one gentleman was able to get us discharges for any of those entities if we connected with him <laughs> he's no longer with the bank I don't believe and so it was literally just having that one person connection these days there are title curative services we use too um, which allow us to collect a flat fee on the seller side of 175 for one 225 on another uh, for the other service to make those issues go away and not have to make us chase, chase it down. It's made the business that much simpler. Um, and yeah, it allows us to issue title insurance to people without any, uh, without any exceptions, without any issues. You're listening to closer to home means real estate radio on news radio, 98, five FM AM five sixty WGN. Yeah, that's, it's fascinating what goes on behind the scenes. Cause I don't think a lot of us truly understand yeah. what happens in title, but our next question actually gets into you know holding the deed, holding yeah. the title of the property. Uh, I'm buying a property with my brother. How do we own this together? What what are somebody's options of how they own a property? Sure. So there's several different ways. You can own it in different tenancies, right? So you and your brother, if your agreement is, hey, whoever one of us you know lasts the longest, the, the other one will, will get the property. That's called a joint tenancy. You can make it that you own it in an apportioned interest, 50-50, 75-25. However, depending on how much cash you and your brother have put into the transaction, or you can set up an LLC, a limited liability company, wherein you could own it and it could be controlled like a corporation under the terms of that agreement as to who gets to occupy it when, where, and how the money gets split up when you sell it someday. Then then lastly, you could set it up in a trust. Um, That is similar in in a sense. It's a legal entity that owns it. Um, and And you can own it. For all those reasons, too, those other two, the last two, um, for privacy reasons, too, if you were trying to shield that you own the property, there's ways to do it that. Now, can you can we dig a little bit further into yeah. tenants in common, I yeah. believe? That's where each would own 50%, let's say, and yeah. something happens to one. Then the other, then the interest of the party that passed away would go into their probate. And then the probate court would have to come forth and you'd have to go through that process in order to get the power to sell it. And then that's that would be then two deeds coming out on that next sale, wherein the one brother would sell his interest, and then the estate of the other brother would, would sell the other. And guy. if they're married or have heirs, they then it can complicate. For... It can complicate things definitely. So you would, would you advise just sitting down with a title attorney before taking yeah. a claim and, to and, a property? And sometimes, um, if it's old, if they're older folks, you know, um, dealing with an estate planning ter- attorney too sometimes. When you're when you're when you're getting into a transaction that's you know involves a lot of money and a lot of uh, and there's a personal relationship there, um, it doesn't hurt to have that sussed out as well. Okay. Interesting. Uh, one thing too we've come across a lot, Carrie, that we actually now have to begin disclosing to our clients mm. is the types of fraud and things like that oh. we've been coming across. Can you talk a little bit about what's changed in this industry that's allowed some of these fraud um, or these scams to pop up? Well, you know, in Maine, I would say. We haven't run into it nearly to the extent that I think, you know, jurisdictions like Florida, Arizona, um, uh, Nevada have, right, where there's just so much volume, so much flow. It allows for a lot more people to pretend to be other people, to send, you know. We've got to wrap up and head to break, but we'll uh, we'll come back to our fourth segment, have Carrie back on for our tip of the week about buying owner's title insurance. You're listening to Closer to Home on News Radio WGAN.
Welcome back to Closer to Home, Maine's Real Estate Radio, with your host and real estate expert, Jeff Matea, on News Radio 98.5 FM and AM 560 WGAN. Always going to come back with that uh, to end the show, right? It's a special request. I love that song. Exactly, exactly. So welcome back, everyone. Thank you for listening. We've got uh, Carrie back in studio for our final segment, talking further about fraud in uh, real estate-related title claims, et cetera. Yeah, I want to wrap up the conversation around yeah. things like wires and then have Carrie share the tip of the week with us. So why don't you finish your thought on the wires? Yeah, I, we were talking about fraud, but the big thing we see, wire fraud is a big deal. I mean, it is exploding. And you need to know whoever's handling your closing is never going to ask you to wire money. Never. That's right. And you always want to reach out to whoever you're working with by phone, personally, not just through electronic communication, to confirm everything that you're doing. And we can't stress it enough. And um, we just want you know, all the listeners out there. It's extremely important. Yeah. And it's something that's so important that we actually, you know, as part of our first consultation with clients, we do share you know, do not wire money. There's actually a disclosure we put in front of clients yeah. because, you know, maybe we're not seeing a lot of this in Maine. We're definitely seeing other parts of the country. It's only a matter of time before we start to see it here. Yeah. Not that it hasn't happened. Yeah. you know. But it's important that, that our clients understand that, you know, the title company really is serving as that, you know, kind of that hub of the final Conduit. leg of this transaction. Yep. Um, they're going to ask for things, but they're not going to ask you to wire money. No. Yeah. And it's smart to be proactive too and get that initial uh, so that they are at least up front should be on their toes and watch, watch every email that comes through and not responds. If you have a question, pick up the phone, call your agent, call your title attorney, yeah. call your you lender. You can always call us and always, always, always a double, triple verify. Yeah, because the title company's not going to ask you to wire money just like that Saudi prince is not going to wire you money either. <laughs> exactly. Right? exactly, man. For sure. Yeah. All right, so let's let's dive into the tip of, uh, tip of the week a little bit here, yeah. Carrie. So we've got owner's title, which you've elaborated on. Yep. Uh, we have a lot of clients come to us and say, well, you know, do I need it? Should I buy it? What should I do? What does it cost? Yep. You know, can you explain a little bit more about owner's title and the fact of kind of what should they expect going in? What does the policy look like? What should they be looking for? Well, the policy is some pretty obtuse looking legal language. Let me tell you, it's more important to know. And, and you can ask whoever's handling your, your closing for a pamphlet that will show all the different things, the coverages that are covered by title insurance. It's a general rule. Residential homes, you want to get the enhanced policy. Different insurance companies have different names for it. Um, you know, first American, they call it an Eagle policy. And that gives you some additional coverage at basic title insurance. Yep. I own it. Um, doesn't have things like some survey coverage, things like some zoning, municipal zoning coverage, some things that these are things that you might need. They might, might be useful to you. There's a slight like 10% increase on the premium. Let's talk about the premium in Maine. It's an insurance product. All the insurers, they file rates with the Bureau of Insurance every every so often that covers the, the, uh, the cost. The cost is a factor um, per thousand of your purchase price and or your loan, depending. Um, and uh, except if the, if the premium is and the policy is over a million dollars, it's negotiable. And we'll vary, if it's that case, we'll very aggressively negotiate you the very best cost that we can for you. Yeah, it's very inexpensive is my yeah. understanding. I mean, under $1,000 for a $300,000 home. Again, it covers itself. If something happens, which we hope to heck it doesn't, it'll cover itself in no time. The oh, exactly. I mean, attorney downtown Portland right now, three to $400 an hour. Totally. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I that's, know him. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's gone in three hours for yep. what a title policy would cost you. Yep. Yeah. So for the, for the homeowner, so somebody from the past says, I've got a claim to this property. I want it. What happens? They would 
file a title insurance claim with their insurer. The insurer would contact us. We would provide them everything we had we had in terms of research on the pro- on the pop- on the property, and then um, they would go through the claims process. And again, if it was a ripe claim, it was a claim where that that neighbor or whoever actually had rights and it was filing suit against you, then they would hire an attorney for you, and and they would go to court and fight it tooth and nail um, for your uh, for your rights. Fantastic. So again. Get owner's title Always insurance. Your your lender gets lender's title insurance that you pay yeah. for. You might as I, well get. I'll owner's just title say insurance. our our company policy is if you pay cash we, for us to do the closing, you we make you buy owner's title insurance. It's not a state law. It's not a state, federal. It's a company policy. But without it, it's like what are we really doing? You know, you need that coverage. Back in the olden days, there were opinion letters, certificates that lawyers like myself signed. But there was a lot more risk to you then because. These insurance policies are backed by Fortune 500 insurance companies. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, as always, great to hear yeah. uh, the stories and learn all the knowledge that you have over the the 20 plus years. Uh, Carrie, how do we contact you? Sure. How do how do listeners contact you? Sure. If you ever need to get a hold of us, we'd be more than happy to help. Our phone number is 207-761-7277. We have three offices: one at 970 Baxter Boulevard, Suite 204, Portland, Maine and uh, 630 Roosevelt Trail, Wyndham, Maine, and 45 Memorial Circle, Suite 103, and up in Augusta, Maine. Our website's www.tlsettlement.com. We're also on the Book of Face. We're also on the Insta at Two Lights <laughs> Settlement. It. And um, look us up. We'll Everything social. Glad to help Carrie you. Kimball, we Two Lights Settlement. We got the social. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thank you so much. Around Town with Harrison, up next. Yeah, yeah so... Also along the lines of social, so if you want to know what we're up to, you can always find us on Facebook, the Matea Group at Kelly Williams Realty, or on Instagram at the Matea Group, uh, you know, kind of keep tabs on what we're up to. But really, as I mentioned earlier on, this really is the best part of the year to get out and be around the area. Um, well, you're going to mention golf courses again. I, I say I've, 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 I've ventured out to a few golf courses. Um, <laughs> certainly, we've, we've had some beach days, too. We saw the beach, this. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm certainly starting to tour around the area. A lot of the parks... Um, you know, it, they're, they're, you're starting to see some things um, happening outside around the parks, you yeah, know, and concerts and, and stuff like that are starting to And definitely to come back. support your local, you know, your state parks, your town parks. If there's passes to be purchased, pick them up, get, you know, get in line and, uh, you know, support our local parks, keep them nice and green and pick up your trash when you leave, please. Yeah, um, please. But there's, there's some fantastic parks, Memorial Park in, in Scarborough. We go to a lot with the path to walk around and see the, the kids playing sports and folks doing yoga. And there's off, often... Um, uh, concerts at the park exactly. uh, on, in evenings uh, once a week. I think they'll start those up again. Yeah, exactly. And, and speaking of concerts, uh, one that I know you're excited for, um, we have the Baby Shark Live Tour coming to the Merrill Auditorium May 28th, which do, you've do, already do, got do, your do, tickets, do, right? Do, 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 do. Yeah, yeah, yeah of for course. Sure. I, uh, I'll be there. And along those same lines, we've got a lot of concerts coming up. Merrill State Theater, Cross Insurance Arena. Uh, one, one in particular, I'm interested, you got the Wallflowers coming to state. Oh, yeah. To well, state to date myself, I, I saw them in college. They came to our uh, our gymnasium, the Dana Center at Bentley. Fantastic. And, uh, so, yeah, Bob Dylan's son. Yeah, Jacob Dylan, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, But the the concert the concert schedule is full. There's all kinds of stuff oh, going on. Um, as well as, as we mentioned, there's weekly events going on down at places like Thompson's Point, downtown Portland, downtown Biddeford. Um, and, and interestingly enough, so Biddeford just was honored. You're listening to Closer to Home, Maine's Real Estate Radio and News Radio 98.5 FM and AM 560 WGAN. So a, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about Biddeford being honored for kind of the dining scene. Um, Biddeford just got honored yesterday with the um, award for basically their progress on Main Street. Excellent. The Main yeah, Street it's, revitalization. It's really, 
revived a lot. Exactly. Yeah. So Heart of Biddeford was was actually left um, and was was in attendance to receive this award, which is a big deal because the city of Biddeford, as many people know, was booming and booming. And then when the mill business kind of dried up, the, the city really had to start over. Um, and they've done a nice job, although, you know, bumpy ride, but a nice job of bringing the city back. And they've really started to get a lot of honors lately, locally and nationally for what they've done. Now, was there grant money received or more to revitalize or how, how's that? Yeah. So there, there's, there's grant money that's involved with it. There's also kind of the recognition that now goes out across the country. So people hear about it, hopefully driving more interest here. Um, but right now the development pipeline in downtown Biddeford is chock full of stuff. Well, exactly. We saw property values, you know, we, we need to highlight Biddeford again because the property values, the investment into multifamily properties, uh, you know, remodeling, renovating uh, the mill, as well as just building surrounding that, uh, that started, you know, 10 years ago. And it's kind of really kept going and going. And some people that put that gamble and bet on Biddeford yep. really saw an appreciation and, uh, good return on their investment. Yeah, and this boom really started when Biddeford was able to shut down Merck, which was that uh, the trash incinerator. You know, right. Biddeford earned the nickname of Trash Town for a lot of years because you had that incinerator literally right in the middle of downtown. And when that thing was going full speed, you could smell it, you know, Biddeford Saco all the way down the Saco River corridor. Um, and when they finally shut that down, I think it, it took the people that were afraid to come in town and develop um, and made them change their opinion because Biddeford became a place to go. And and me personally, I bought a home in Biddeford in 2012 right after they closed it because I thought it was going to be a place that was going to be worth living in for the long term because of the direction it was headed. Well, look at you. You know, some of the game. You know, sometimes sometimes you get it right and sometimes you don't. But <laughs> but I mean, what we found is we you know we had lived in Buxton much like Carrie had for a while and loved it out there. Um, but we found we were consistently coming to the Saco Bitterford area for, you know, grocery store, Home Depot, you name it. I was exactly. always there. Right. So Sports we figured it's different you know, events. Exactly. Might as well live there. So when that happened, it, it drew us in. Um, and I've loved being in, in Bitterford ever since going on 10 years now and, and being able to see it change and and uh, and grow and, and all the new stuff that's come, the parking garage, the new apartments, all the mill projects. When when we went to that co-working space to uh, to yeah. do our offsite, that was it was a great experience. And then to just collaborate and see what's going on around, and still still going and going, and you know Portland Pie being right there, a couple exactly. of coffee shops, it, everything's within walking distance, um, and it, it's a nice place to be. Parking is easy and accessible, and convenient. I mean, people want convenience, right? That's right. Rock Row and Westbrook, and yeah. uh, you know there are other Brunswick, the Landing. You know things are starting to pop there. The downtown. You know, by um, the college. Yep, absolutely. And it, and what we're seeing is that a lot of people are. You know, we all love Portland. Portland's got great amenities, great things to do. But you know, sometimes Portland isn't the easiest place to get in and out of, depending on time of day or day of week. And which what we're finding is in places like Westbrook and Biddeford in particular, where they've brought some of those amenities to it. Now people are going there because sometimes just the ease of access is that much more. Well, and now you see gas prices and yeah. uh, oil. Uh, so there's going to be folks that, again, are reminded of that as their interest rates have gone up, their mm -hmm. payments, uh, the purse you know, gets a little tighter. So those purse strings get tightened and they think, well, I'd rather be a little bit closer to all the stuff that I enjoy because it's going to cost me an arm and a leg to keep commuting back and right. forth. And that 20 minutes you don't think of at first, but it's the convenience and then keeping that money in your pocket so you can spend it exactly on things that you enjoy, not gasoline. And, and we've been around long enough to have seen this cycle a couple times. Everybody wants to live in greater Portland. Then they're like, oh, no, I can get more house for my money when I go further out. Right. So they commute in. Then prices go up they, or gas prices go up. They move back to Portland. Then they move back out to the suburbs. And we're actually seeing a lot of activity right now in those second and third markets 
um, because people can get a lot of house for the money out there and they weren't afraid to commute. Now gas prices has people thinking about localizing. Well, we've harped about this before, actually not harped, but we were a, a, a proponent of this yes. was the, you always look to your monthly payment. Exactly. Well, you, you are, you've set your monthly payment with your mortgage unless you're planning to refinance. Now it's, well, right now my gas or my heating or my electric bill, thanks CMP, has gone up. Yeah. You think, well, I need, I, I work so hard for this. I want to gravitate towards the city versus, well, taxes went up. Now the heck with Portland, South yeah. Portland, I'm going to move west. Well, then the taxes go up and you head back in or vice versa. It's a reason to migrate. Yeah, exactly. And our decisions are driven by that monthly budget. And as that monthly budget gets squeezed by gas prices and inflation at the grocery store and other things like that, you reevaluate your decisions and maybe think differently upon what you might want to do going forward. Well, a reminder again, as we uh, start to wrap up here, if you have a question about real estate or home improvement, you can call our 24-hour Closer to Home helpline at 207-331-5516. You could also text that. Harrison will answer text at three in the morning. Love it. Or email us at closer to home at portlandradiogroup.com. Thank you so much for listening to Closer to Home on News Radio WGAN. Sell your home the easy way. Just remember Jeff, M-A-T-E-J-A. That's the Mattia Group. And call the-